Welcome to the Onyx Podcast. I'm this week's host, Dixie Cochran, here with Eddie Webb. Hello. And Matthew Dawkins. Hi there. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so this week we thought we'd talk about something that we haven't talked about in like three years, which we didn't realize. Um, way, way, way back in the before times on episode nine, uh, we, we had an episode called Free or Reasonably Cheap Lances, where we talked about the freelancing <laughs> pro- process and what makes a good freelancer for us specifically. Obviously, this is not going to apply to every single company in the industry or across industry, but this is more no, of what should. we look for. Right. Oh, okay. Yes, because our, informed us. our process is the best process in all of publishing. Exactly. Yeah. But... Yeah. Done. There we go. Episode over. Okay, we're done. I'm going to hit stop. Follow the guidelines on the website and you're gold, really. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, as I was saying, we have changed the process uh, off and on a bit since then. Uh, We keep tweaking and updating as we find things that don't work anymore or that worked at one point but don't work for us now. Um, Also, there's a lot of stuff that like every now and then one of our freelancers will be like, why do we do it this way? And we're like, "I, I don't know. Because we've always done it this way, and then we find a better way, right. um, and that's that's the nature of a of a small company like like we are. Um, you know, there's there's not a really great guidebook for how to be a role playing game publisher, because <laughs> either you're you know Hasbro or you're one of the little guys for the most part. There's a huge gulf between what in video games will be called AAA and then other video, uh, video game companies. In RPGs, yeah. there's basically Hasbro. And everybody else. There is kind of a rough mid-tier, but at that point, it's very arbitrary lines um, where people draw, like, what is a mid-tier publisher? What is an indie publisher? I don't know how many times I've had to ask people, like, going, oh, well, Onyx Path isn't really an indie publisher. And I'm like, well, how do you define that? Because you define it as a small company that has only a handful of employees, then it absolutely is an indie publisher. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, it's a hard call. So yeah, so we want to talk a little bit about our process, maybe how it's changed over the past uh, three years now. Gosh, gosh, we've been doing we this a, for a while. We were a baby podcast back then. We were a little baby a podcast. <laughs> yeah. And now and now we've been through 2020. <laughs> and now we are an aged and wizened podcast. Are we truly through 2020 yet? <laughs> right. No. I feel like we should update our art image, so now we're just like, you know, with cigarettes hanging out of our mouths, the coffee cups, you know. <laughs> Like white really, really beards. like big, 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 big. I don't want a white beard, but like big, big bags under our eyes, you know. Mm. Yeah, just just, just take a photo yeah. of us, basically. I mean, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we have also been putting out a lot of really cool books in the past few years, and have updated our process a few times. Like I said, um, we have a bunch of new freelancers who might not have gone back into the archives of the podcast. If so, shame on you. Um, I don't know how you you've got over without listening to 160 episodes, episodes of our podcast. <laughs> Shame on you! Here's your homework. You... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 have to get towards the point where we've done like the 10,000 hours, and then we're podcast experts, right? Oh my god, that's so many episodes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's about 10,000 episodes. Oh god. <laughs> we can do it. We can do I quit. it. I'm done. I'm out. So I would start out by saying, um, or asking, uh, Eddie, we'll, we'll start with you. What is one change that we've made over the past few years that you think is incredibly helpful? Um, well, I think uh, the biggest one, um, which is admittedly when I kind of harp a lot about in general, is that we have updated our submission guidelines. Uh as, as, as recently as today. Like, yeah, like we, before we started recording, we were tweaking things a little bit. <laughs> um, uh, but, I mean, guy, uh, submission guidelines for any company are, are there for a reason. They, they are put out there because it makes the company looking at your submission, it makes their lives easier. They have a certain flow. Every company has a different flow, and what they need or don't need is going to change by company. So there's not a one-size-fits-all set of submissions. And certainly... Even for us, we had a certain way of doing things, you know, when Onyx Path started, um, which was very kind of open, you know, like we would, we would have specific moments where we would have submissions. Um, and then we moved to an open all call, which was just basically send us an email with, a, with an attachment. And over time, that's been refined and modified. And so now, um, Dixie suggested uh, us doing Google Docs, Google Forms. 
mm-hmm. I should say. Um, and we tried that out with the writer's submission um, stuff a few months ago, and that's actually been working really well because now they're coming in very consistently. We make sure that everything is done the way it needs to be. Um, and frankly, uh, previously, if someone didn't follow instructions, I had to go through and say, no, you didn't follow the instructions. I need you to do this instead. Now, if you don't follow instructions, we don't even see it. We don't get it. Uh, so it really helps us to know, okay, you do follow instructions because we have seen it. So that's one less thing we have to worry about. Yeah, it focus is. just the quality of it. It is physically impossible to not follow instructions on the form because I have made uploading the disclosure form a requirement. Um, I, I I guess if somebody really wanted to, they could upload something else that wasn't the disclosure form. True. But like, that's a lot of work to be wrong. And, and it's also, at that point in time, we're moving from I have made an honest mistake to it's kind of willful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, no, I... So if if you have ever seen a Google form from Onyx Path, whether it was an errata thing or a Kickstarter feedback form or whatever, I probably made it mm-hmm. um, because I just I I took it upon myself to learn Google forms uh, when actually it was my boyfriend who was like, have you thought about doing this? Um, it would make your lives easier. And I was like, it would make our lives and easier. It has. Uh, because frankly, the, the old way of collecting errata by doing a very oh, long no. forum thread <laughs> And having to read through all these like replies and tweaks and stuff on the forums was a nightmare. Uh, whereas doing it as a forum, it's like, now I have a spreadsheet of all the feedback. This is very easy to sort. And y- you can sort it by page number. So if you see there are like eight on one page, you're like, these might all be the same. And often they are. And then you can delete seven of them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Google Forms. And also, I mean, uh, we've been able to refine things. Like I said, uh, um, you can't submit it unless you have this the disclosure form, which was the biggest problem, frankly, was that we do need to have that disclosure form signed so that way it's very clear what our relationship or, in this case, none of relationship is going to be. Um, you know, so it's like by sending this in, we don't, you're not, we're not immediately forming a business relationship. You know, we have to proactively say, yes, we want to talk to you about starting a business relationship. That's all that stuff's pretty important. And also protecting yeah. us in case you inadvertently pick something that's already in pipeline. Um, but also just providing things like um, we have never in any version of the errata stage asked for page access. That's always the last step. And every time someone's like, oh, my God, you forgot to put page numbers in here because 20 years ago you, you forgot it for one book. Ha, ha, ha. Um, and so now we've actually said to where like if you, there's a page access option and it really says we're not going to read this. <laughs> <laughs> and yet somehow people will still send the stuff. But the bastard makes that line very clear. Oh, cool. They 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 hit the button they're not gonna read, so we can just delete those lines and move on with our lives. I literally like when I first put that on there, I put it at the very bottom of the options. Mm-hmm. And it was still like popping up because people weren't, I think, reading the whole list. So now it's the very first option. <laughs> like, like, oh, do you want to report a page XX? We're not going to, you know, read this. It will be deleted, but go ahead. And um, yeah, people have not really done it since then. Hooray. They're so willful, the aren't they, people? They are. They uh, they <laughs> want to declare their page XXs. They want to help. That's what it is, Dixie. They, well, yeah. They just want to do their best. And the problem is their best isn't good enough because they're not reading <laughs> the damn instructions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, it's, 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 it's just funny because it's like, I, I get you're trying to help, but there were so many times when we would open an errata form for the first little while we were doing it, and like half of the reported errata would be page XXs. And it's like, we do it, we do this later. Like, oh, um, we do a proof, and then a proof, and then errata, and then page XXs. Yeah, to, to provide some, some clarity in case anyone is as confused. Uh, so when we write a manuscript, if we need to refer someone to the reader to another page in the book, sometimes to a page in a book that's also in development, we will say, please see page XX or P.XX. And we will leave it as XX because, and we we will leave it as page XX during proofing. We'll leave it as page XX during errata. And we will only change it at the last possible moment, really, before release. And the reason for that is because during proofing, 
it's quite possible for text to move around if we notice things we've mm -hmm. missed or things need changing or things need removal sometimes uh, mm -hmm. because it's just plainly incorrect. Same applies with errata. So if you tell us at errata phase that we need to change page XX to refer to page 123, well, that information may end up on page 125 when the book finally gets released. Right. So there's not much point in us changing it then. And if we do change it, then it's then subsequently harder to find at that point because it's no longer a nice handy XX to locate with a control and F. So yep. that's mm -hmm. why we leave it until last. Yeah, it, it, it just makes sense as that part of the process. Um, also, it's really easy to search a PDF for XX, um, which is how we do a lot of our you know proofing. Mm -hmm. um, so I know that some companies use at at, like, like mm. at symbol. Mm -hmm. um, which I do like actually because it stands out a little more to me mm -hmm. uh, but it's been XX since the first days of White Wolf so I don't think we're changing that at this point <laughs> well I am told and I don't know this I was told by one company that uses at at uh, rather than XX it's because they deal with a lot of fantasy properties and you cannot guarantee that there is not some monster or people that you can play as with a double X in their name in fantasy and sci-fi mm -hmm. games, that that tends to happen. Uh, so, yeah, whereas no one has at at in their name, I guess, unless it's cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah, quite a few companies that I've worked with use it to like mark tables and stuff too. Um, like mm. if if they numbered their their tables, which we tend to not do, but some some companies do that. They'll be like, "Is this table one dash one?" You know, um, and that's that that's because if, if they choose to add another table before publication then it's not misnumbered at that point. Right. So, but that's, that's not about our process. Fuck other companies. We're not talking about them today. <laughs> We're talking about us and our process. Wow. What? I'm keeping us on track today. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. This is so weird. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm all for proactive, organized Dixie, but it's just weird. So, Matthew, yeah, we've already covered half of our topics. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Matthew, are there any changes you have been especially pleased with? Um, especially because you're one of our European freelancers. So, I know that sometimes it's a little hard to like work with the whole group when most of us are in America. So, yeah, yeah, well, you know, I detest Americans. Into. Oh, I mean, well, yeah. the. <laughs> uh, so, well, one of the things that has really helped the freelancers in general and is something <laughs> all the writers and developers should be aware of at this point is our change to pay schedules. Now, this mm -hmm. doesn't uh, apply to people necessarily in uh, something they need to be thinking about all day, every day while they're freelancing. But especially if they're a developer, they need to be aware of the development stages. We have a somewhat codified process now, uh, a flow chart of the developer's duties. And so if you're a freelance developer, you should be going from point A to B to C to D, uh, barring some exceptions, usually involving license properties. And mm -hmm. one of the big changes we implemented, as well as actually implementing this flow chart, I guess a couple of years ago now, but I love our flowchart. It's great. Eddie put it together, and it is it's fantastic. It's clear. It's informative, in my opinion, and that all the the developers should take a look at it. Is the pay schedule in the past? Much like many other mm -hmm. role playing game companies, we would do the first half of a freelancer's payment when they submitted their final draft. This was a bit malleable. Sometimes it was when they submitted their final draft. Sometimes it was when the developer had approved all of the final drafts. Sometimes it was when all of the final drafts had been approved by a licensor, like, let's say, Paradox. But in mm. theory, it was at final draft stage. So you turn in your last piece of work as a writer, boom, that's half your money due to you. And your second mm -hmm. half would often get paid when the book was released. Now, we right. know that role-playing games take a long time to put together. Uh, obviously, there are many stages, not least of which is art and layout. And artists, as you know, they work all over the globe just like writers do. And if they've got a lot of art to produce, that can take a while. And there's a queue for these books to enter. So just because you've been paid for your first half doesn't mean your second half was going to be forthcoming in the next couple of months. Sometimes it could take a while. 
and something that we've been able to change recently. Uh, we frankly we've done quite well as a company and have been able to make this change is mm -hmm. that the second half of your payment now gets paid if well after the manuscript gets approved. So mm -hmm. as it enters editing, it's in between those two pieces. So if you're a writer, you will now get your first half when you turn in your final drafts and you are you have it confirmed that you do not need to do any further work on it. And then once it gets approved, either by a company like Paradox or it could be Rich, it could be the in-house developer, whoever is responsible for the approval. And that tends to make the first and second half a lot closer together. And mm -hmm. I've heard nothing but, you know, good, uh, good words, nice praise from people uh, because of this change, because, of course, everyone wants to get paid sooner. We all do. Right. And I think it's made working for Onyx Path uh, well a lot easier, a lot more attractive to to a lot of freelancers. So, also, I feel like yeah. it's a lot easier to like like remember to pay somebody <laughs> when oh, yeah, it's not definitely. like a year apart. Um, because I I have definitely like even back when I was freelancing for Onyx Path, it, it was never malicious, but there were a couple times where I was like, "Did this book come out yet? Did I did I get a check for that?" Can I get a check check for that? Because the book's out, right? Mm -hmm. um, and having to track that is is difficult for the developers and even for us in in house folks to be like, like if if I had an editor, for instance, on one of Eddie's projects, once it's out of editing, I don't track it anymore because otherwise I would be tracking every single book, right? Right. The and that would overwhelm me. So if like every now and then something will come out and I'll be like, oh yeah, I need to pay somebody, you know. <laughs> Right. Just because it's it's been a hot minute since I even looked at that book, because since the editing process, it's gone through, you know, post edits, layout, approvals, proofs, all this stuff. So it's 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 been a hot minute. So yeah. And I mean, uh, going back to just process stuff in general, um, it's not like Onyx Path wanted to pay people that late. It was just it was a financial consideration. It's the we you know, we have to make sure that we're starting to get money in before we pay money out. Luckily, yeah, after exactly. a decade, you know, Rich has been able to kind of look at the company. Okay, there's there's enough income and outgo happening to where Rich felt more confident in paying people early, and it wasn't going to cause a huge issue. What he didn't want to see was a huge amount of money go out of the company. No money's coming back in, and suddenly, right. well, there's no money to have. Um, so, uh, uh, th none of these decisions are made like just because it's it's often it's the well we'd love to do x but we're not there yet and so all of us have to kind of think about okay let's how can we get the process to be as minimally invasive as possible we want we don't want things to be complicated and hard but at the same time you know we have to look at the whole picture and make these decisions looking at the company as a whole and how these all things interrelate and so a company of two people making one product sequentially can have much more streamlined and efficient processes than a company like ours where we have hundreds of projects in process simultaneously Mm -hmm, exactly. Can, can I can I mention on the subject of uh, pain uh, and uh, and processes? You know, we we would much rather were easier. Uh, a topic on it's a freelancing uh, topic. What what if I said no? I was just like, no, you can't. If you said it. no, I would <laughs> respect your decision as moderator, <laughs> and we would move on to the next topic. I Go would ahead. then you'll write an angry punch. letter to your boss. <laughs> <laughs> I can just see you writing an angry email to Rich. Like Dixie wouldn't let I, me talk on the podcast. I was appalled, <laughs> and, and I'd misspell appalled. <laughs> <laughs> and she calls herself an editor. Um, You're so, the one yeah, that misspelled appalled. <laughs> well, you should have checked my email before I sent it to Rich. <laughs> So, Either way, what is your thing you wanted to mention? Well, it's on the subject of freelancing, of course, and freelance writing, but I guess it probably applies also to editors and artists. And it's on the subject of communication. So oh, this yes. isn't something we've changed, although I would say it's something we encourage more, but it's sadly something that some people still fall down at. And there's many and sundry reasons for why they might, and many of them are perfectly acceptable. However, however, 
one of the biggest frustrations as a developer with any freelance writer is if they stop communicating. If they don't update us at all about their their progress and we then, let's say, pass a deadline and we haven't heard anything from them. And you, the mm-hmm. listener, may be thinking, well, if I was in my job and I didn't communicate with my manager for a month and then we passed the deadline for me to hand in my project and I still hadn't communicated with them, I'd probably be fired. And uh, the reality is we sometimes have to make that decision, and it's horrible. I'm not trying to generate sympathy for myself or any other developers here, but it is a horrible decision to have to make that because a member of your team has just fallen off of the map or, you know, to look at it uncharitably ghosted you, Mm-hmm. that you have to terminate their contract. Now, as I say, I know there are many, many reasons why someone may not be able to communicate. And so if you are feeling like that is becoming the case, may and sometimes the reason may even be a conflict between you and, de- and a developer that, you're un- that you are afraid to broach, and it's rare, but it could happen, then I really suggest uh, using some kind of intermediary. You are often working on these books as a team. Uh, There are going to be other writers there. If you don't feel you can raise a subject, then speak to another writer. We have a freelancer's Discord on the Onyx Path Discord. We have a freelance writer channel. Uh, Mm -hmm. So you can use that, find another writer on there, and even communicate with them and say, I don't suppose you could pass a message on. The main thing, so that you basically don't appear unreliable is that you somehow get a message to the person who you owe work that you will not be able to turn it in or that it will be incomplete or that you need a delay you need an extension um i uh, i I, you know i've dealt with poor drafts i've dealt with uh lots of purple pros i've dealt with passive voice i've dealt with people writing material that does not match the game that they have been contracted to write for i've dealt with all those things and i can deal with all that with a big smile on my face (laughs) well maybe not but as a developer i can deal with it i can reshape work like that i can give advice we can have meetings i can provide constructive criticism or just advice and we can move on from that but the one thing that I cannot do and no developer can do is and this will sound very brutal but we cannot do your work for you and if your work hasn't been turned in and we haven't heard anything from you that is essentially what we are left to do and because we will Mm -hmm. not do that we have to hire someone else who will and that means not working with you again. And uh, and I know this is me going on, on a, off on a long one, but my final thought on this for now is, let's say you're really under the weather. Let's say you're depressed, you're anxious, you've got any number of reasons for not being able to get your work in. Quit talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> I could be talking about any one of us at this point. <laughs> to be fair. To be fair. To be yes, fair. To be fair. Um, let's say that you've got everything going on that you would really rather not and you don't think you're going to get your work in or let's say you just don't get the subject matter you've you've been looking at this draft for three weeks there's only one week left and you don't think you're going to do it if you say to your developer that if you tell them I've been looking at this I can't do it I'm really sorry words to that effect the developer still has time to hire someone else. They have heard from you, so they know you're okay. Mm-hmm. Or at least they can then hopefully ask if you're okay. And our relationship can move on. But the one thing that won't happen yeah. if you're communicative is you will not be seen as unreliable. That will not happen. If you are communicative, we know what's wrong and that means in a few months, in a few weeks, whenever it is that you tell us you're better or you'd like to tackle something new, we can look at other projects for you, and we will. We don't mm-hmm. not hire people for that reason. But if you don't say anything to us, 
If you don't ever communicate with us, you can pretty much count on us never approaching you for work again. And this may sound very, very harsh, but why would we? Why right. would we go to someone who was uh, who owed us 20,000 words and never turned anything in and never told us why they didn't turn it in? Because what's to stop them from doing it again? So that's well, yeah, me getting off my soapbox. I'm going to put a, a, a bit of a positive spin on this too. Um, and that's <laughs> you that, bastards! Like... <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say, like, we're... We genuinely worry about people too. Like yeah, it's, well, yeah. it's it's not just about like where's our word count. It's like, what if we all worked in an office together and then someone just didn't show up for a week and you couldn't get a hold of them on the phone? Like you would go to their house or call the police. You'd be like, I I I need a wellness check on this person. We're we're not gonna do that, obviously, to our freelancers. But like it's it I I've been very worried about freelancers before, especially people who I know like me have some mental health struggles. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, I'm like, are they in the hospital? Like, are they, did, 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 did something terrible happen in their life? Did their house burn down? Like, are they okay? And if I'm not hooked up with them on social media, I don't have any way to find out usually. But like, I have, I have Googled freelancers' names because I didn't hear from them for like two weeks. And I was like, I really hope there's not a, 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 a news story about this person, you know? Right. Um, and and that's, to be fair, that's happened before. It, yeah. I mean, we, we have, we, we've had freelancers have at, accidents and and horrible things happen to them Mm -hmm. but like also just like 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 matthew was saying like i've had freelancers like text me because they couldn't talk to somebody else like they 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 couldn't bring themselves to disappoint matthew um so i am fine disappointing matthew um that's that's all i ever do really really Uh, that's that's your job Mm. Uh, (laughs) in-house editor and matthew disappointer yeah yeah so, so th- like I, I like I'll I'll reach out to people that I'm actually friends with and try to do that. But if you feel like I really just can't let Eddie down, I can't let Matthew down. Um, it is paralyzing to think of doing that because I also have that problem. I have, I have ADHD. I have rejection sensitive dysphoria. I have a lot of things that make like I've I've talked before about. I had a draft for Eddie that I just couldn't get done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I could do it with with a third draft, but I had to not look at it for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. And so. But it, it took me a couple of weeks to build up the courage to say that to Eddie because I like I would sit at my computer and I would open the Word document and I would stare at it and I would change like two things and then I would stare at it some more and then I would have an anxiety attack. Um, and it, it is really hard to talk to people when you're in that kind of headspace. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, like if, if, if like you don't feel like you can talk to Eddie, reach out to me, reach out to one of your other writers. Um, if like, you know, for instance, that I'm friends with Megan Fitzgerald. Right, and you feel comfortable talking to her, tell her, she'll tell me, I'll tell Eddie. If it takes a game of telephone to do it, we will make it happen. Right. Because, um, yeah, that, that is really, really difficult sometimes, uh, uh, especially if you feel like you're letting somebody down um, who gave you a chance. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's hard to tell, but we are here for you. We want to support you. Um, you can message people in Slacks. You can DM people on Discord. Like, I don't like doing business in other places for the most part, but if, like, the only way you feel like you can talk to me is via Facebook message. Go for it. If like if like that's all all you can possibly do, I understand. Yeah, but every yeah. time we talk about situations like this, I'm always reminded of, of the, uh, a quote from Arthur Conan Doyle, well, specifically from Sherlock Holmes, um, which is, "I can't make bricks without clay." Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what we're talking about here. Is that uh, it, it can be hard to communicate, and, and like I said, we, we bend over backwards to try to make sure that we can make that as pleasant as possible. But at the end of the day, if I don't have word count, I, if I have something, if I have a draft, if I have something, I can build off of that. And I would say 90% of the time when someone's like, I'm really worried about this draft turning in, it's usually not as bad as they think it is. They built it up in their head. To be oh, yeah, situation. yeah, yeah. Most of us have some kind of mental health problem. Right. No, totally. <laughs> that, is, that is why we all became creatives. But I mean, I could think of one example where uh, um, one writer was just really struggling to get their work in, and finally, I, was, I had to be the, just turn over whatever you have. So at least I had something to work with, and I can get you some money. And they turned over what they had, and I had almost nothing I had to do with it. It was it was fine as was. I had to you know remove a couple things, rewrite a couple things. And I was basically done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, if I had had this a month and a half ago, it would have been fine. Uh, but I also recognize that when you are deep in the throes of your own creative process, you could feel like this is not as good as it could be and I just need more time or I don't do it as good as I want to. I don't want to 
do whatever. I don't want this person to be mad at me. Um, but one thing I, I have learned through my own therapy uh, is that I can't control anybody else's emotional reactions. I can only control how I believe people I, I can control my own actions and hope that people perceive those actions in the intended light, mm-hmm. um, which I think really comes down to a lot of freelancing as a whole is like you just try to be as, as professional as possible, try to understand what your client you're working with is, needs from you and try to deliver that to the best of your ability, be open when you can't deliver those things. And at the end of the day, if you do end up disappointing that person, okay, you know, there's only so much you can do. If you've done everything you think you can do, mm-hmm. um, then you know, there are other clients out there. There are plenty of other RPG companies that need freelance writers. Yeah, totally. So now that we've talked a little bit about some of the like major things that we care about when it comes to freelancers, like we really wanted to drill those points home. Right. Yeah. Uh, we've also raised base pay and stuff too, which is cool. Yes, um, so in, in addition to getting paid sooner, you also get paid more. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but past that, like, what is the process at this time? What does that look like now? Um, three years after we started this podcast, because uh, I mean, we, we started this, what, like six months after we all got hired thereabouts? Yeah. So, yeah. So what does it look like, you know, almost, gosh, almost four years into this job now? Ooh, three and a half years. Uh, what's what's changed? What do we like? What's what's kind of the basic flow of the process? I'm going to leave this to Eddie because Eddie is the best at explaining the freelancer process. Okay, and Matthew um, and I can just jump in and be like, "I'll do this." Right now, it's all like, but also this that's, thing. That, 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 that's how I see us jumping in, like a boo kind of a way. Awkward silence, awkward silence time. Oh no, Eddie's muted. Eddie, Eddie, you've muted yourself. Oh, yeah, it would help if I unmute myself before I talk. Uh, I shocked I you so much by going boo that you were rendered <laughs> mute. Uh, honestly, yeah, that's not entirely wrong because I had the mouse over the microphone button and then I heard the noise and I think I accidentally clicked the button when I did that. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. This is the quality content you come here to listen to. I'm, worry, I'm we'll leaving all this of this in. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, no, this is all going in. <laughs> also, also y- you may have just heard the Awkward Silence song. <laughs> it's been I a hot have, minute. I do, I do have that clip you still use. No, so do I. It's in my Onyx Pathcast. Oh, cool. Files. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, so, uh, um, how to become a, a freelancer? There's a couple of of different ways, um, but the the one that I found generally works uh, is um, you go to a website that uh, either they have an explicit all call uh, for writers. Um, sometimes that's time sensitive, sometimes it's always open. Find out what the submission guidelines are, follow those within a time frame if need be, uh, and then wait. Um, it, it, it's, it's frustrating because sometimes it may, you may never get a response. Sometimes you may get a late response. Sometimes you may get a very quick, nope, don't want you. Um, but again, you have to show that you're willing to work within the constraints of the company because if a lot of companies are like ours. Um, we, I, I actually did the math one day and we average uh, one and a half new submissions, people wanting to write for us a week. Um, so, some weeks it's five or six, some weeks it's none, but it's about a, one and a half every week. So every week there's a new person who wants to work for us. Yay. Um, and I can't give everyone detailed advice on how they can make your submission better. I can't, let everyone know that they're good, but we can't use them. I can't, I, I we just don't have that time. Yeah. Um, I have that same issue with editing submissions. Just to throw that in mm-hmm. there right now. Like I've had a couple people want to like follow up and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not here to mentor people that right. I am not hiring. Um, if I'm hiring somebody, I will happily mentor them and give them all the help that I possibly can. But if I have already kind of like not been interested in your work, then I, I, I can't do much about that. Right. And I get it. I get the instinct. It's like, I want, I want to do better. Tell me how I can improve. And I get that instinct. But again, if, if I have six people a month, doesn't sound like a lot, but if I'm giving everyone, I'm spending 15 minutes reading your submission, half an hour writing up a response, you know, um, that's 45 minutes per person. That's three or four hours a month. That could be making yeah. a product. Yep, yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, Same with the editing test. Like there are some editing because I've, 
editing submissions are a little bit different in that I have little tests that I have up there um, mm -hmm. that you download, you track changes in Word, and you, you re-upload it. Mm -hmm. um, and if I open it, and like, I will tell you right now, I will give out some free advice to people. Uh, the first paragraph in that test, I expect to be almost entirely rewritten because mm -hmm. I purposefully pulled from some of the roughest drafts that we had. Um, and I, I also introduced mistakes on purpose. Uh, but the, the first paragraph in that is almost entirely passive voice. Um, and it needs to be rewritten. And so if I open a file and I don't see like a sea of red near the top, I'm like, nope. Because if I look at the style guide, it says don't use passive voice. <laughs> like, I've given you the style guide. I have given you the thing. You didn't follow it. Okay. Right. Um, and that's that's actually been quite a few of them. Like, if, if I open it and just don't see enough red, I'm like, nope, this is probably not going to do it for me. And there are a couple things that I check immediately. And if people don't do those, then that's the same thing. I'm like, oh, you didn't do that. Sorry. Right. And similarly... Um... Uh, our submission uh, for writing submission guidelines is I ask for a thousand words, um, roughly 500%, 500 words, 500%. Um, 500% mechanics. 500% great. Uh, no lower. Uh, no, but roughly 500 words fiction, 500 words mechanics. And recognizing that that's not an exact number, I'm, I'm looking for roughly half flavor, what how you would describe a game world's sell a person in the game kind of stuff and half of it roughly here's some rules and here's some mechanics i want to see how you write fiction how you write rules and i have been doing this long enough that i can glance and see if someone just sent me a short story or if someone just sent me a whole bunch of stat blocks so i mean it and also i know roughly how many pages a thousand words are going to be um, mm -hmm. So if I see it's 15 pages long, I'm probably going to close it before I even look at it. Cause like you didn't follow the instructions. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I look at it and it's all, you know, meaty, you know, well-organized um, paragraphs and there's lots of quotation marks in it. It's like, you just sent me a whole bunch of fiction. Um, I'm, I'm not even going to really read what you wrote because you didn't do what we asked. Um, since then, one of the processes we've refined is that originally I would just send a link up to our dev email list and say, here's new submissions, have that. Here's the game line they want to submit for. And then devs could look in at the game line as they wanted to. Uh, over time, it was suggested that like, um, as, as someone, those, one of the most experienced on the dev team is like, if I could like, at least give it a glance and give my thoughts on each one. Um, and I was like, you know what, that again, for 15 minutes a week is not a lot of my time, you know several hours a week is, but I can spend 15 minutes to, you know, they get, they did everything great while I'm already here checking to make sure everything's correct. I can also skim through um, and say, oh yeah, okay, there's something here or, you know, here's my concerns, here's my thoughts. Um, and so I have been reading every submission uh, since we started doing that. Uh, and, you know, I try to be as, as objective as possible, um, you know, I, but sometimes it's like, this is not good. And I have to be honest with the devs like going, this person didn't follow the instructions. That, that makes me concerned. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, uh, very rarely do I say this person didn't follow instructions, but there's something here. I, I think I maybe said that once in the entire time. I've not done that. Uh, most times it's like, well, they didn't follow instructions. So jump. Which, uh, which I think bye. we hammered on a lot about in our original freelancing episode mm -hmm. where it's like, I don't want to get too into it this time, but like following instructions is literally the best thing you can do if you want to be a freelancer. Um, and also knowing how to like not follow instructions properly. <laughs> like if you get an outline and it has write 400 words on this and you're like, oh, I think I need 600 on this, but only 400 on this other thing. Talk to your developer and say, right. hey, the outline says it should be X, but I think Y might be stronger. And they'll, 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 they'll often listen to you, but don't look at your outline and say, this asks for a thousand words on X. I'm going to write 2000 words on 47 <laughs> and that, and it, it, it won't relate in the slightest that that's not okay because you're working for hire. Like you're not, you know, writing your novel, you're writing what we want you to write. And yeah, take, take liberties. Like uh, what, what example for me is that when I worked on Demiguide, uh, for Scion, uh, Neil had talked about me writing the like neutral underworld, mm -hmm. and he had a very different picture of it from what I did. And I was like, I think it'd be cool if it was like a cyberpunk city, but like gray and washed out and weird, and you could get to all the other underworlds from there, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he liked it, and I liked it, and so he, he he let me write it up that way instead of what was the the initial outline, which I've actually forgotten. I think it was just bl- like more kind of bland. It wasn't as like interesting of a place to be, and mm-hmm. I wanted it to be a place where you could actually set part of your game. Um, so yeah, so like developers will listen; they they want to hear your ideas, um, but they don't want you to just go off half cocked, um, especially because somebody else might be writing the thing. That you have just written. I've, I've, I've seen that happen on books where somebody diverges so wildly from the outline, they inadvertently write something that somebody else is also writing. Right. And it's like, well, now we have two of these and none of what I asked for. And that's yeah. a problem. Uh, so, so yeah, like following instructions is so like, that's, that's the number one freelancer skill. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time that we get a submission that, that doesn't follow instructions, that's just right off the bat. Like, okay, you don't know what you're doing. Right. And, and to, be, to be clear, I mean, like um, Dixie and I both make comments to the effect of, you know, well, I probably won't read it. Um, but the probably is, is really strong there. I mean, I try to make an effort, even if the instructions aren't followed, to at least read a thousand words of it. If it's more, I just mm-hmm. stop reading it. What, what looks like a thousand words. But um, because every once in a while, like I said, sometimes they have broken the rules in a creative and interesting way that I do want to know more about. Um, yeah. Also, we do have a space at the bottom where you can, like, link to any other works you want us to look at. Right, which is much more helpful. So maybe send us your submission and then link us a Google Drive link of your 15-page laid-out fan work. Mm -hmm. Because if I like your submission, I might go look at that, too. It's uh, something I know we harp on about, but it really does help to get your work out there on a community content program uh, like StoryPath Nexus or Canis Minor, or Slurician Vault, or similar, uh, even if it is just a one or two page document uh, detailing a new class for D&D, or a new set of spells, or something like that, it shows us that you have the ability to um, drive yourself and put yourself out there, uh, you, that you're confident enough with your work, and confidence is a part of it. Uh, you know, we're not going to be horribly critical of the work. It's the fact that you have done the work. We can help make you better as writers, right. as developers. Uh, you know, that that's part of our job to tell you how you can improve uh, after you've sent your work to us. But um, I would, I would really strongly recommend people utilize those systems now because we hire lots of people who have done that. Mm-hmm. So past submissions and following instructions, which we cannot bang on enough, um, what are the other uh, kind of steps in the process that we don't have to probably talk as much about because they're pretty self-explanatory? Um, so, I mean, once someone has approached you, either because you've uh, sent in a submission or like as of state, the other way that we usually look at people is through community content and recommendations. And people say, hey, this person has been great to work with. Here's some cool community content they've done. Uh, so once you're actually inside uh, the ecosystem, as it were, um, uh, then it's uh, you will usually um, figure out how much word count uh, you will be given by your developer. Um, and this is basically literally just how many words you expect you to write. Mm-hmm. Um, we generally work in uh, iterations of a thousand. Sometimes that doesn't quite for reasons like you know it gets smaller or, or than that but generally it's yeah every, every now and then i'll have somebody who does like 7500 or something right and it's usually just because um a, a a section kind of breaks down a little weirdly so we have to kind of give you an odd number um but generally it's like you know it's you, you often do 5k 10k 15k we usually just k and so like if it's that's generally kind of the numbers we work in um if you're brand new or haven't worked in the industry before we generally try to shoot for 10k or less because we you know um as dixie learned getting 30k all at once could be huge <laughs> <laughs> and that and that was even rewriting somebody else's stuff for the most part right like so, some of it was whole cloth but a lot of the uh terra surge chapter and anima once that gets out there a lot of that is like dominic's words i mm. just massaged them a little bit here and there um especially the locations because they mm-hmm. were just really well written. Like, they were interesting. I would take out, like, honestly, I, I, I spent more time cutting stuff from Dominic because it would have been a 60,000 word chapter. 
right. if I had left in all of his wonderful words, uh, because he clearly has been thinking about the setting for so long. So yeah, like, but yeah, 30K was like, I was like, yeah, I can do it because it's, it's, it's mostly re- rewriting. And then that was the one that I was like, I need a third draft because I just keep looking at it. And I've still got like 2K to write at the bottom and I don't, I, I just can't do it for right now. I'm sorry. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Um, and so uh, um, to figure out kind of a word count uh, and then contracts happen um, in, in comics past specifically, uh, uh, Lisa Thomas uh, will handle all the contracts and get those to you. Um, we have an internal system of, of giving that information to Lisa. She gets to the right people because she goes through, this is not an exaggeration, hundreds of contracts in a month. Um, she goes through a lot of contracts. Something else I do want to just put in at, mm-hmm. at this stage while we're talking is that if you are somebody who um, has a legal name that is not their actual name anymore, mm-hmm. uh, we are like only the in-house developer, aka me or Eddie or whoever, and Lisa will ever know the legal name. We have yep. to have it for contract purposes, right. but we won't put it in books. We won't call you that. Whatever your pronouns are, are your pronouns. Mm-hmm. Like that is something that is really important to me. Um mm-hmm. And yeah, I just want to make sure that any prospective freelancers are aware of that. Like all the submissions where it says to put your name in, I, I, I've tried to put like, this can be a pen name. Right. Like we will find out your, your legal name exactly once for your contract and then we won't use it anywhere else. Um, so yeah. yeah a, I mean, we also do require on the disclosure form, but again, only the in-house people will see that. Right. Yeah, exactly. And we won't tell anybody else, anybody's status about anything. Nope, nope. Um, it's, all, so that's, it's all kept private to to a very small number of people. Yeah, so that's, that's just I just want to throw that out there because I know yeah. that some people. Um, we have a lot of, of of queer fans and friends and writers, and I know that sometimes people get nervous about putting their you know dead name on something, mm-hmm. and I I understand that it's your dead name, but like it's only for legal purposes, and then we won't ever use it again. I promise. Right. I saw a meme a while back of. Um, of uh, two trans folks trying to send something through PayPal and it's like, you know, which had their legal names on it. So I was like, I don't see this. I don't see this <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, so uh, uh, contracts happen. Um, then uh, we, you will receive either before or during this process also the outline, um, and, which means the developer has written this or s- developer along with somebody else has written this. Sometimes in-house people work on it with them. Sometimes it's a joint process. Sometimes in-house, sometimes developer inherits an outline. It's rare, but it does happen. Um, but ultimately the outline is literally what it is. It's an outline of the project. Here's the high level stuff that everyone needs to know. Here's what specifically everyone's writing, um, which leads probably, I think to my next big harping point. Um, it is so easy to just jump to the part where your name is, read that and be done. Do not do that. Read the whole outline. Um, sometimes outlines can get, you know, 20, 30 pages. That's a bit long and, and I get that. Um, but you, if the, especially for long outlines, usually it's for like a core book and for core books, you need to know what everybody else is doing too. Uh, it, it's, it's a very collaborative effort. You're almost never working in isolation. And so you have to know what everybody else is at least intending to do. And sometimes the developer will mention a topic in one chapter that you're then building off of in a later chapter. So it is really important to, read the whole outline obviously dig into what you're doing and 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 make sure that you understand your section really well but at least understand what the rest of the book looks like and how you fit into that because you can write into those spaces so you don't do things like writing material that somebody else saw covered because the outline clearly says that they're writing that other stuff yeah also sometimes you will have to collaborate with other writers as to like what parts you're writing mm-hmm. um for instance on on demigod again and also on beyond the grave uh, the developers left it up to the writers for a section how to break it up, like what what they thought their strengths were. So mm. on the Underworlds section for Demigod, we all got to pick our Underworlds. And, you know, we like we discussed it. I was like, here are the ones I'm most comfortable with, but I'm happy to do the research for one of the other ones if I need to, you know. And then for Beyond the Grave, for the for the Monsters chapter, we did the same thing. Um, and, and kind of the Locations chapter, where like it was like, okay, you, you write this half, I'll write this half. And then for the Monsters, I was like, like, for, for instance, I wanted to take all three of the vampires in there simply mm-hmm. because I was worried that they would be too similar if somebody, if, like, we all wrote them separately. Right. Yeah. Because we would yeah. all write vampires with the same powers. So I I was like, if I don't do this, someone needs to do all three of the vampires in the book. Um, mm. uh, otherwise, we're all going to write the same kind of vampire with, like, slight differences. 
and unknowingly we what we did with Beyond the Grave is we did what Requiem did to Masquerade by condensing 13 clans into 5 clans. We've turned 5 clans into 3 clans for Beyond the Grave. <laughs> uh, and if you use Camp Murder Lake, there's one additional uh, supplementary clan. We'll call them Malkuvians. Um, they're not actually called Malkuvians. We didn't Malkuvians. name any of the clans in Beyond the Grave. Not clans. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm more joking on the fact there's Malkovians and Requiem, Malkavians and Masquerade. Uh, but uh, it's <laughs> I know I'm hilarious. I'm I am a wit. The hilarious. one of the uh, <laughs> I I have to agree completely with my colleagues. I, I have to. I'm literally forced to. But I would anyway because it all comes back to that word communication. The yep. writing team on a book need to work as a team. As a freelancer, if you are listening to this and you are a writer on one of our books, not only is it useful for your work for you to speak to your co-authors and ask them how they're getting on or to share your ideas in your team Slack or email distribution list or whatever program you're using, it also makes you look good to the developer. It's a really simple thing. You can even do it for show if you don't need to do it. You can still do it because it shows that you're invested in the project. And there really is no better feeling for a developer. Well, maybe there is, but uh, there's. <laughs> it's a really good feeling for a developer when you see writers enthusiastically discussing their work with each other because it shows that they want that work to do well, that this isn't just another assignment. And I know as someone who does this for a living that sometimes some assignments are more exciting than others, but mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you shouldn't approach them with a certain amount of enthusiasm and a desire yep. for it to be collaborative and creative. And yeah, the best way to do that is just to put your ideas out there uh, to your other writers, uh, your co-writers, and get them to comment and critique. Uh, it's be far mm -hmm. better to do it at an early stage than it is to wait until the very end, that's for sure. And actually, um, that leads me to something I was hoping you could dig into more, because you were someone who since our last episode talking about this, you've really pushed uh, the suggestion of using slacks as a way of communicating a project. And so now that we, now there's very few projects that don't usually have some kind of slack conversation option. Mm -hmm. So how do you think that's yeah. worked out over the past couple of years? That's, that's I, I, you know what, I hadn't actually realized, but you're right. I, I introduced using slacks because I think some of the, some teams were using Google groups beforehand and I, and more commonly, it was just distribution lists via Google Groups. Scion and... and Salted had Slacks before you, I do believe. Mm. But those are the only two big lines, I think, that were doing it. Oh, right, okay. but, the, but Matthew really introduced specifically, we're going to stand up a Slack for this project, yeah. build a team, do that project, yeah. shut it down, start another Slack for another project. Whereas the Scion yeah. Result one's much more, here are the core people that always need to be engaged and need a place to converse. So, so it's more that project... Encouraging the collaboration on a project level is something I think Matthew distinctly brought to it. No, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, the, well, and I kind of already explained, but really the purpose is it's so that you have a central place for your teammates to to communicate with each other, to share ideas with each other, and in a sense, it's a safe space. It means that whatever is taking place on the Slack is essentially covered by the NDA. Uh, it's not going to get out to the fans. And and that means you can share the most ludicrous ideas. And there's always random channel as well, so that you can just spitball and also go completely off topic because it's nice to be able to socialize with your colleagues. Sometimes essential to be able to, especially if a work you're mm -hmm. on is, let's say, incredibly grim or horrific. It's lovely to have something to lighten the atmosphere. Uh, but... Uh, a Slack uh, program is really no different than any other kind of team software. I just think it's very handy for book writing from an aesthetic and searchability uh, standpoint. And yeah, I, as a developer, am very much an advocate that once uh, the project comes to an end, that Slack slowly gets wound down and eventually shut down. 
I don't mm -hmm. like to keep these places open for over long uh, because I think they end up losing their meaning and they just become a place to often gossip or um, you know or, or whatever. Just not not related to the project. They are project specific in my mind, but different people's mileage may vary. Yeah, I do feel like Discord has taken over a lot of the social stuff now, which is yeah. nice. Because mm -hmm. um, I, I will see freelancers being more social in various discords and going to the Slack, even even if they're doing something that's quote unquote off topic. Often it's posting like a meme that relates to Scion in the Scion Slack, but right. then most of their conversation is still on various discords, uh, which I have found really re really nice. Although having different Slacks for each project is both cool and not cool depending on how many projects you're in. Because <laughs> um, like if like. It, it, it would be nice to be able to search the back catalog of the Exalted Slack, but we can't because we have gone way over our messages. Right. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff that's been deleted. Every time I upload a file to Exalted, it's like, are you sure? Because we're going to delete a different file. And I'm like, yes, I know. But I, I, I need to show them this image, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, it it's... And then, Eddie, you keep the same one, don't you? But you like just kick people and put them back in. Yes. Yeah. I have a, I have a pug steady Slack specifically. Um, which is really the Pugmire Slack, but um, uh, I, I, even with Trinity, I, I try to kick people that aren't working on a project right now and then add people in later. Mm -hmm. um, when, and with Slack, you can't really kick people. You disable them and reactivate them. So sometimes I'm de deactivating and reactivating people. Uh, but mm -hmm. um, it, it, for one thing, I think it helps so that way people aren't stuck with, maybe I should stay on the Slack because, you know, maybe I need to stay here. It's like, but if I'm, booting you off it's like oh i don't have to stay here that's cool um and as someone who has like 75 million slacks i know i appreciate being told okay you're done you don't have to stay here anymore um but also like you said it, it, for a while we were kind of using slacks as both a community space and a project management space and i think we, things started to get muddy in a couple places but now that like you said dixie now we have the discords there's a much clearer separation oh this is my hangout space this is my workspace so now it's well the project's done so there's no reason to hang out here this is just mm -hmm. the place we use as our team room to talk about the project the project's over we're done um i think it keeps that line a little clearer because i'm not above joking around in a workspace i mean it's it's, it's we're it's supposed to be fun. We never joke around on workspaces. What are you I, talking about? We certainly do not send random bullshit to our private Pathcast channel. We no. are also the most serious podcast that has ever existed. <laughs> I'm being serious no. right cut, now. Cut that out, Eddie. Stop laughing. <laughs> there will be no joviality in this. <laughs> it's nothing fun. Um, uh, but no, I mean, so, uh, but like Matthew said, everyone kind of manages it differently but i think the big shift is that um for one i still believe and your comment about the exalted slack really reinforces to me is that if there's an important conversation to have it probably should happen over email mm -hmm. or otherwise someplace that, that can be documented and referenced because certainly there have been plenty of times where i've had to go back and search through an email from three years ago to pull something up because of an old project or an old conversation. So email is still really useful. And it's, I think, the main source of communication because everyone has access to it. It's ubiquitous. Most people have some form of filing system with their email. It's just really, really handy to keep it there. But um, I think the big shift I've seen is that people are more inclined to collaborate in spaces like Slack than they were when we were only using email teams. Um, I have seen people have side conversations because it's so easy to just spin up a new channel and just start talking about a side topic that's still relevant to the project, but not necessarily everyone needs to be involved in. Mm -hmm. um, you can have fine-grained discussion between, okay, here everyone who's writing a monster for Beyond the Grave, here's a monster channel. Everyone who's working on character creation, here's a character creation channel. And then here's a general channel for stuff that the whole everyone in the book needs to be aware of. Um, and so people are more inclined to easy kind of just pop in. Hey, let me share this draft real quick. Boop, drop in there. Everyone look at it, makes comments on it. Um, it. There's less friction towards communication. If there's a space that encourages that communication, that's new, I think, to Onyx Path Culture and new to us as a team. Um, new in air quotes. We've been doing it for a couple of years now. Mm -hmm. um, and also uh, are moving to more more comfort in jumping into a, a Zoom call or a Discord call to talk over something. That's something else I've been seeing trending up specifically in the past year and a half. Of, I wonder why. Well, I mean, you're 
it, it's 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 kind of a joke. It's like, well, because that's where everything is. But we, as a result of the pandemic, we as a culture have learned to become more comfortable with those kinds of tools. Um, and us as a company, I mean, prior to it, we would have been very hard to say, let's get a Skype call together. It'd have been a chore, and everyone, do we need to do this? Let's just talk it through. Um, and now it's like, yeah, let's just pop in Discord and have a quick talk. It is much more common. I've seen. I think it's a good trend. But that being said, some people I recognize are anxious with either video calls or even audio calls. And so if you'd rather just talk in chat, I mean, that's it's whatever ultimately you're comfortable with and makes sense for everybody. So it's not like it's a requirement. I'm just no noting that there are some people who also would much rather get on a call and talk it through than try to talk through in chat or text. So yeah, totally. those options are good. Yeah, no, I am all about being like, Eddie, you got five minutes and then we talk for 45 minutes, but... I always right. try to keep it for five minutes and it doesn't happen. It never, it never happens. But um, I, I respect, I respect the effort, even if the execution is because we're both very chatty. There've been a couple of times where we kept it to like 15, 20 and I've, I've, I've always been like, Hey, go us. Usually it's when one of us is hungry. Right. Um, <laughs> that said, so I know that we're not going to get through the whole process today, but I honestly don't think we need to, since this was mostly no. geared toward writers, right? Right. We, we can talk in a future episode, maybe about artists, layout, developers, things like that. Um, but this is mostly for new writers. And so once we're past this draft and collaborative phase, there's only really two more phases you have to worry about. And they well, are. Well, I'm I, before, before we do the, they are Dixie. I disagree with you. Yes, I know. Oh, I don't think we're done. And I know we're done for this episode. <laughs> I think we can stretch this topic out and be incredibly useful <laughs> to two episodes, which means we have a topic for next week. <laughs> a two-parter! <laughs> yeah, I like a two-parter. It rewards it rewards investment, and I think our freelancers need the love. Well, in that case, let's cut it off here and we can start at Red Lines next week, which kind of makes sense. This is our first draft. We turned it in. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we can review the episode and, and uh, comment on what went wrong. <laughs> so much. Yes. No, this is a really on-topic episode. Um, I kind of like that we front-loaded it with our most important advice. That's good. And, you know, to talk about some of the big changes that we've made that are good. And then we can finish it next week by, you know, finishing up the process and, yeah, going on. I love making these decisions live on air. I mean, it's not live on air, but you know what I mean. It's going right. to go in the past. Mm. You're, 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 you're hearing it right now. Unless you're not. I don't right. know. <laughs> right. So, so that said... <laughs> Matthew, if you want to find you and ask you how to follow directions, where would they do so? Oh, well, if they are so presumptuous as to do that, they can find me on matthewdawkins.com or on Twitter at DawkinsMP. They can also find me on the Onyx Path Discord, where they can find all of us. It's true. And Eddie, if people wanted to ask you about being more communicative, where would they do so? Well, for the next couple of weeks, actually, you could probably ask me on Kickstarter because we are kickstarting Squeaks in the Deep right now, which is the next source book for uh, Pugmire featuring rats and mice. Woo! Um, It'll so be for the next week once this comes out. But next yes. X period of time. <laughs> next few days. Right. Um, uh, so uh, swing by there. Um, we'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, go check it out. Um, we're, we're already fully funded. We're hitting stretch goals now. But, you know, we just got playable rabbits at the time of recording so hopefully we'll have some other options that'd be really cool but outside of that uh you can find me at pugsteady.com you can find me on twitter at pugsteady and you can find anything about pugmire at realmsofpugmire.com yeah you can find me at dixie cyanide on most social media uh you can find me on the discord as matthew said i'm kind of all over the place you can find us as the onyx path on most social media the onyxpath.com uh discord all those all those things many 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 worlds but only one podcast. It's not letting me stop. It's not letting you stop? No, a notification popped up that said we have lost connection to the server. Um, so I think it's just still recording right now. Hopefully. So we can just hang out for a few minutes while it's recording. And hope and that it ends in. itself? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm hoping that it like lets me stop it eventually. Yeah.
Did you get the notification as well? I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. So yeah, it's not our internet connection. It's Zencaster. Yeah, it's Zencaster. Um. So since I'll be hosting next week, then are we thinking just kind of picking up from? Okay, what happens at the Redline stage and moving on? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and other yeah. general advice that we think of at the time. But, like, it won't let me click stop. Like, it, it, it turns into a hand when I move it up there, so it's not like the page is frozen. And I can still click everything else, but I can't click stop. Uh, why are you doing that? Let me see if I can find... I'm typing a customer support. Okay. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 